I'm Rhonda, and I'm a co-op member. I love my co-op because safety is a core goal. My co-op educates the public, students, contractors, and local emergency personnel on the dangers of electricity. My co-op cares about its members. Welcome to the Power for Your Life podcast, where we focus on energy efficiency, the value of electric cooperative membership, and safety around electricity. I'm Daryl Lindsay, your host, and today's subject, what you need to know before installing a ground source heat pump in your home. With me today is Scott Blue from Associated Electric Cooperative, and Scott manages energy efficiency programs in this area. Scott, you've been involved with energy efficiency and helping co-op members save money for a long time. And we know that you've seen a lot of homes out there with high electric bills. What's the first thing that uh, you would recommend to homeowners? Hey, Daryl. Thanks for having me today. I think the first thing we look at when we go to a home uh, that's needing to update or replace their heating and cooling system is we're going to focus initially on the requirement of that home, the BTUs needed to heat and cool it. Uh, trying to get those under control. One, educate the member on insulation values, uh, windows, leaky areas of the home. Focus on those areas. And what that'll do is get the requirement of that home home's needs for heating and cooling down, ultimately saving that member money over time. Then we get to uh, focus on sizing the ground source to that home. Uh, what we do is we require a manual J heat load be done on that structure. And what that is is a software program that uh, we input data from the home's materials, the windows, the framing, the insulation values, everything about that structure is placed into the software program. And we require a a 70 degree design temperature typically. And all that's saying is the indoor and outdoor temperature will have a difference of 70 degrees. Once we see that and use the home's uh, makeup, it spits out the BTUs required for that structure. And that's how we go about sizing a ground source unit to that home. So in, in this evaluation, in this manual J calculation, this isn't something that takes five minutes to do. This is a pretty extensive uh, evaluation of that home, right? It is. It's, it, we look at the, uh, all those materials. We look at overhang. We look at window size. We have to measure the home and, and all those things that go about it. You, you can even look into the lay of the land, the trees and the shading and other things that are there, the roof material, the color of the roof material. All that goes into that to create a real accurate representation of the home's needs when it comes to heating and cooling. And then once we have that size, uh, we're able to, one, the geothermal is is one unit that's going to heat and cool that structure, where in the traditional setup, you, you typically have an indoor furnace and you have an outdoor air conditioner. The requirement of that structure in our climate here is different between heating and cooling. You typically need probably twice the BTUs to heat a home in the winter than you do to cool it. And so when you go to throw uh, one piece of equipment in that needs to do both of those, sizing is very important and the accuracy of that is is certainly needed. So um, let's talk a little bit about the benefits of heat pumps in general. I mean, there's there's obviously geothermal, which is our main topic today, uh, ground source heat pumps, but there's air-to-air heat pumps. 
uh, that, that do offer some heating and cooling benefits. Why would I install any type of heat pump in my home instead of going with a conventional electric heat, um, uh, like you suggested, you know, an indoor heating unit and an outdoor air conditioner that's a separate component or even a gas heating appliance? Sure, that's a good question. And really it gets down to the efficiencies of those appliances and their ability to supply BTUs in the form of heat or to remove heat in the summer when it comes to air conditioning. Uh, Our typical forced air furnaces, if we were to look at an electric furnace, electric furnace is 100% efficient, uh, has a COP of 1. And what that means is it's it's going to produce uh, 3,413 BTUs for every 1 kilowatt hour or 1 kW in size of that furnace in an hour. Uh, when we add an air source heat pump or a mini split or a ground source, what we're able to do is take that same amount of input energy and sometimes produce two to five times the BTUs uh, into that building uh, using that same amount of energy. And the same thing with the forced air gas furnaces. Most of those, I think, are probably topping out in the 98% efficiency range. And when we can uh, do that same amount of work, uh, doing it at 200 to 500% efficient, it just um, typically makes sense to consider these appliances, uh, especially when you're going through the process of getting bids and quotes. And this is where we would really leverage the knowledge of those efficiency numbers of those appliances versus the traditional systems. And then we would look at your utility costs, either from your electric cooperative and and their kilowatt hour price. And we'd also look at your propane or natural gas if you happen to have that, uh, the price that you're paying on that. And then we can get to um, using the manual J heat load to uh, tell us how many BTUs that structure is going to need annually. And we sort of work the problem backwards. We're able to use those numbers as well as the price we're paying for energy to get to a sound answer as to whether it's makes sense to pay more for something that's more efficient and how soon will it pay off because that's all the member really wants to know or we want to know is we're going to make a purchase here that costs more than uh, a baseline system and is it worth it? Is it going to pay itself off and should I do that? And we can certainly get to that. It, it really starts with the home, uh, getting it as tight and as energy efficient as possible, requiring less energy over time. And then we're going to look at the cost of what we pay for energies and apply that to these efficiency ratings that we know exist on these appliances. And and I'm sure one of the other components that that uh, is included in here are, are the maintenance costs. You know, you have to continually call somebody to fill up that propane tank, or you have to have, you know, certain things, certain relays, certain pieces of equipment need to be maintained inside any type of heating and cooling system. Sure. So those are probably factored in as well. They are, and I think, uh, you know, when we look at the ground source specifically, there is no outdoor unit. This this is one unit that I said heats and cools both, and it sits inside the home. So there's some benefit to that. Um we do have the loop field that we have to to look at, but I think preventive maintenance when we look at any of these appliances is important, uh, that we're aware of and we clean them, uh, we change the filters, all those normal things that you hear about heating and cooling. Uh, but they're like tires on a car. They get 15, 20 years on them, and essentially we're getting to the point that we're going to have to look to replace them. But a good preventive maintenance on any of those appliances is very beneficial. So one of the statements that has been uh, made by the EPA, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, they've called ground source heat pumps the most efficient 
environmentally clean and cost-effective space conditioning system available. So if you specifically look at geothermal systems, um, what makes them better than any other heating and cooling system, as the EPA claims? I think their efficiency is one. It um, is all electric, and so we're looking at our utilities and their energy portfolios, and that tends to lean a little bit more towards the cleaner uh, energy aspect than we would, say, propane or natural gas. Um, but they also are, are doing the work much more efficiently. They're producing that energy and moving that heat in or out of the home at 500% efficient, and none of those other appliances can compete at the efficiency and, and the amount of work that it's accomplishing uh, compared to the energy input that it's, it's utilizing. And so uh, it's a very green technology, I think. It uses the earth to store heat and, and return heat to the home, uh, and it moves that heat through that system uh, much, much better than any of those other appliances. And I think the EPA has recognized that as well as uh, adding that federal tax credit that they continue to offer for that for the next few years. Uh, I think shows that uh, they believe in that as well. So if you look at all the characteristics of ground source heat pumps, you know, there's the potential there for the win-win for that member. Wouldn't you characterize that to be pretty accurate? I would, Daryl. I think for the most part, what we get to when we're looking at purchasing a heating and cooling system, I think it's best to probably look at one or two options when we uh, want to consider what we want to go with. Uh, we also want to get two or three bids on those as well. And so what I mean by three options, you may just look at a traditional base system. Most homeowners, when they're building a new home, for example, the heating and cooling is typically the last thing that goes in the home. And unfortunately, uh, all, mo most of the money has probably been spent elsewhere. And so early on, we thought ground source was going to be what we wanted. Uh, but when we get to the end, the money is just not necessarily there. But you certainly want to say base load system and then maybe consider what we would call a dual fuel system, an air source heat pump maybe tied to a propane backup. Um, and then we would look at the third system of the ground source and sort of weigh the cost differences between those three options as well as their efficiency gains. And that gets us back to using the heat loads to really quantify those numbers for somebody. Um, Usually it's probably pro maybe in the six to eight year payback when we're wanting to look at maybe a mid-grade system and then upgrading to the ground source. And so some people may not see that as beneficial if they're looking at this as a five-year home or a stepping stone for them. But I also think it's good to look at when you go to resell a home. You're, most people are going to look at energy bills and, and what is the cost of heating and cooling the structure and can I afford the the home mortgage as well as the heating and cooling bills and I think it's a good sales point regardless so uh, one if you can save some money back and plan for the ground source and build this home around a ground source unit I think it ultimately gets you the wind at the end. Very um, very interesting points there about uh, all of the, the options and all of the factors that, that really do need to go into it. Um, you know, there's some technical aspects of uh, any type of heating and cooling system uh, that, that one needs to know about. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and explore some of those technical terms and share how quickly you might be able to recoup the cost in terms of energy savings when we come back. Hi, I'm Bill. But thanks to my electric co-op, I'm also known as Captain Cost Cutter. Every time I change out my air filter. Or the insulator when adding insulation to my attic. 
My electric co-op helps me use energy wisely and save money. So I guess you could just call me Energy Bill. Lower Energy Bill. Learn more about the power of your co-op membership at TogetherWeSave.com. Discover the value of your co-op membership. Visit MembersFirst.coop today. Truth be told, your electricity comes from people power, from the hard-working efficiency of the men and women of your electric co-op. Their dedication to providing reliable electricity has kept families and friends connected for generations. And thankfully, people power is one energy source that you can always depend on. Learn more about the power of your co-op membership at TogetherWeSave.com. Discover the value of your co-op membership. Visit MembersFirst.coop today. Back with the Power for Your Life podcast and visiting today with Scott Blue from Associated Electric Cooperative about ground source heat pumps. Scott, let's talk about some of those technical terms uh, that members need to be familiar with. Uh, Terms like COP and EER. What do they mean and and what's their significance in layman's terms? Those are definitely two two ratios that um, give us an indication of the efficiency of the ground source. And so just because you're buying a ground source does not mean you, you're not uh, able to purchase different levels of product amongst the ground source. There's, there's the baseline model of ground source, and then we can get more into the Cadillac models. But COP is coefficient of performance, and I think it's probably the easiest one to remember. When we look at an electric furnace, uh, it has a COP of 1, meaning it's 100% efficient. And so when we look at these ground source units, and they may say a COP of 3 or 5 or even uh, a 7, what that's telling us is that at a COP of 5, I'm getting 5 times the BTUs out of that 1 kilowatt hour of electricity, essentially saying it's 500% efficient at what it's doing. And so those are just good ones to look at. It's a, it's a good way to gauge uh, different ground sources between other manufacturers and also other models within that same manufacturer as you're looking. So you can get options amongst them. ER is the energy efficiency ratio. Again, that's this, the ability of this ground source to remove heat from your building in the summertime in BTUs uh, versus the input wattage. Uh, one watt and how many BTUs am I going to get out of that building? And so those two are sort of synonymous with each other. As one gets more efficient, the other follows suit. But the COP, I think, is the one that you, is easiest to remember. Mm-hmm. Electric furnace is a COP of one, and as we go up from there, that's essentially how many 100% efficient more it is over an electric furnace. So in, in addition to some of these technical terms and the items that you have to have to make the, the system operate properly, um, probably the most important one is that ground loop. Um, so describe briefly what that, what all the ground loop entails. What's involved in it? It's plastic pipe and sometimes plastic pipe buried in the ground is a, is a uh, concern for some folks, especially uh, the, the liquid that's inside those plastic pipes. So let's talk a little bit about the loops. Sure. There's, there's typically, I think, uh, three ground loop styles that we typically see, or just three loop styles. Uh, we, typically, we, we do have a ground loop 
scenario and in that one we have two options there typically we got a vertical or a horizontal type loop design I guess when we talk about ground loop more so than not we see vertical just being in the area that we're in with rock and other issues uh, the horizontal one could run into issues and horizontal you typically probably want to be four to six feet deep uh, you want to go around 100 150 foot long for each what we'd say is a trench uh, you have one trench for every one ton of capacity of your unit. And so if you had a four ton, you would have four trenches, 100, 150 feet long. They'd all tie together in a header and then come into the home. Vertical is nine times out of ten what we see. Same thought process there. Typically we would see one hole drilled 100, 150 feet deep, maybe 200, uh, for every one ton of capacity of our ground source. Uh, it uses that earth as the median to store heat or to recapture it and put it back into the home depending if you're in heating or cooling mode. Uh, it also uses a glycol solution in that tubing. Uh, most of that tubing I believe is a probably a hundred year life uh, warranted against leaks so it should <laughs> last several systems in that home. And um, But it uses the earth as the medium to store that energy and put it either in the home or, or take it out of the home and put it in the earth. Uh, we also would see, uh, every so often, we see an open loop system. And an open loop system does not have a loop field. It's using a water source, and it's typically well water, a home in the country where we're, we're going to pump well water into our ground source unit and use that water as the discharge or recapture of heat. Usually, it's, I think it's around two, two and a half gallons per minute per ton. So if you have a four-ton system, you could see 10 gallons a minute of water needed while that system's running. You have a couple options with the discharge of that water. You can run it off into a creek. You can run it into a pond. You can, uh, I think the best option there maybe is a reinjection well. So you would drill one well and reinject that earth, that palpable water back into the earth and put it back in the water table. But that's the open loop system. And I think the third system that we see occasionally is what we'd call water loop. So they're, they're taking the plastic tubing and sinking it into a lake. I think you typically want to get 10 or 12 feet deep with that option. And you need a fairly large lake to sink that pipe and, and keep it down. And so those are the three loop options. Again, I think the ground loop vertical is nine times out of 10 what we see. Um, then the horizontal and then we get into an open loop. Uh, uh, lake loops are just not something that we typically see in, in our service territories, I don't believe. Very, very environmentally friendly is, is really the, the bottom line for any of these uh, loop options. They're, they are, very much so. Scott, we've talked a lot about some technical aspects of ground source heat pumps. We've talked about the environmental benefits. Uh, there's also some financial benefits as well. Talk a little bit about the tax credits that are available and some other options for members. Sure. I think uh, the tax credits are, are very useful and beneficial to most folks. Uh, the tax credits currently with ground source is at that 30% uh, federal tax credit uh, through the end of 2019. And then after that, they're, they're going to drop. It, it drops to 26% through 2020. And these are in, uh, systems installed and completed in those years. And then in, it drops to 22%. Uh, through 2021. Uh, I think some other benefits too is a lot of your local electric cooperatives probably offer a real nice uh, rebate uh, per ton on some of these systems installed that really helps lower the cost of that unit 
when we're looking at comparing them in the bidding process. So really got to factor a lot of those things together when we go to um, look at whether or not it's worth purchasing one of these and financing it. Sometimes it's the best time to do it if you're building a home and can roll it into you know your overall build cost. Um, and the, the return on investment is probably there for, the, for uh, that choice to be made. But definitely look at your tax credits and check with your local electric cooperative. There's probably some good incentives for you there to help finance this. Thing. Scott, thank you for your time today. And, uh, and again, check with your local electric cooperative uh, for more information and more details about ground source heat pump. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To learn more about this topic and other safety, efficiency, and energy technology information, contact your local electric cooperative or visit us on the web at membersfirst.coop. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash membersfirstcooperatives or on Instagram at instagram.com slash membersfirst. If you have a question or topic you would like us to consider for an upcoming episode, email us at membersfirst at aeci.org.